Gary Gensler is testifying today in front of the United States House of Representatives Committee on Financial Services at 10 a.m. It's not just about crypto, and we've already seen his prepared remarks, but the exciting part should be the questioning because this is the Patrick McHenry, Warren Davidson, Tom Emmer crew that loves to dunk on Gensler almost as much as we do. And at the same time, they're pushing him to get a spot Bitcoin ETF approved, even as the SEC rejects or kicks the can down the road on two of them, including ARC, which they didn't need to give an answer on until, I believe, November 11th. Not great news that they're already outright kicking the can down the road when people were expecting potentially to see an approval soon. Is Gary going to take a backyard beating today? I think so. Let's talk about it. I've got Dan Gunsberg and, of course, at the end, Texas West Capitol, Chris Frings. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel, hit that like button. That was my single most butchered intro ever, and actually maybe my only butchered intro ever. That was fun. Good times. Yeah, guys, I see people asking, what time is the Gensler Show? Will it be live? It's at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time today. Uh, but we have his prepared remarks in advance. We were going to live stream it, actually, on Crypto town hall on Twitter spaces. But since we have the uh, questions in advance, we know that he's going to talk about a whole lot of other things. And we thought maybe we'll just jump to the questions when he actually starts to take a beating there. I've got Gunny here today. Dan Gunsberg, what's up, man? How are you? Doing well. How are you, Scott? I am. I'm doing well. Real quick, I'm just going to bring this up and then read it so we have something to talk about. Gensler testimony, crypto enforcement actions driven by wide-ranging non-compliance. Like I said, we have his statement here. And most of it is just the same sort of like uh, circle jerk, verbal Huckster. masturbation. Is Huckster in there or no? I No Huckster. But like I said, this is mostly about like, hey, the SEC has been protecting people for 90 years. We have to update for the challenges of our time. We're efficiency and competition and blah, blah, blah. But then he gets into this integrities and disclosures. But then he does get in specifically more to crypto talking about the two things uh, that we need to that that need to be updated, which is basically for AI and for crypto. Real quick, I'm just going to read the crypto part so you guys don't have to watch Gensler and puke in your own mouth. There's nothing about the crypto asset securities markets that suggests that investors and issuers are less deserving of the protection of our securities laws. Congress could have said in 1933 or 34 that the securities laws applied only to stocks and bonds, yet Congress included a long list of 30 plus items in the definition of a security, including the term investment contract. As I previously said, without prejudging pre any one token, the vast majority of crypto tokens likely meet the investment contract test. Probably true, by the way. Given that most crypto tokens are subject to the securities law, it follows that most crypto intermediaries have to comply with securities laws as well. These laws have been on the books for decades. Section 515A and 17AB of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 require that intermediaries act as securities exchanges, brokers and dealers, and clearing agencies are subject to the securities laws and must register or satisfy requirements for an exemption. Given this industry's wide-ranging non-compliance with the securities laws, it's not surprising that we've seen many problems in these markets. We've seen this story before. It's reminiscent of what we had in the 1920s before the federal securities laws were put in place. You had to throw us back to 1920. Thus, we have brought a number of enforcement actions, some settled and some in litigation to hold wrongdoers accountable and promote investor protection. The SEC has also, also has addressed the crypto security markets through rulemaking, 
We issued a reopening release that reiterated the applicability of existing rules to platforms that trade crypto asset securities, including so-called DeFi systems. So-called DeFi. We're going to talk about that, Kenny. This release also provided supplemental information for systems that would be included in a new proposed exchange definition. While our current investment advisor custody rule already applies to crypto funds and securities, our proposal updating it would cover all crypto assets and enhance the protections that qualified custodians provide. These are just two examples of the rules we propose that touch the crypto markets. While I'm happy to discuss the SEC's work, I will not be able to comment on any active ongoing litigation. I feel like I did that better than Gensler. Um, nothing new here, really. He doesn't need, right? By the way, he does not need to read now. Now that we yeah, know like, why even do it? We, we, we preempted him. Well, well, I mean, listen, is there anything in your mind that's new there at all? Nothing new. I, I'm going to try to take, just for sake of discussion, a neutral position here. No, not necessarily on the way that he go, that he has gone about things, which is, uh, you know, which I, I do not agree with. Um, does this industry, has this industry, especially like as we've gotten to a market bottom, like shown some of its, uh, you know, uprooted some of the weed, so to speak. Have we is shown it our full ass? Of, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <yeah>. Has it <laughs> has it shit out quite a few uh, problematic projects and people? Absolutely, absolutely. Does it need some form of coverage, regulation, education, protection? Like, absolutely. Does do you fit a square peg into a round hole? Absolutely not. Right. Like step one, you have to understand what this industry is, like what the other 90% of the industry that is trying to move it forward in a constructive and innovative way. Like, yes, there should be something there to protect, you know, people that that from from fraud and from scam. Like I don't disagree with that. It's the way they're going that they that he's gone about this, and and maybe if we were looking at a glass half full, it's just the tools that he has to work with. But um, I think from a PR standpoint, it's been an absolute fucking disaster for for the chairman. And uh, you know, I I hope going. Up, oh, we lost know. him. He's back. We lost him. Am I back? Yeah, oh, you're back. Sorry. That was weird. Never seen that. Yeah. Um. You know, I I just hope that that. We do a uh, that the the pressure over time from the 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 Tom Amers and everybody else in the world is going to force some type of of positive change towards um, creating some type of guidance and guidelines that are a little bit more prescriptive and uh, and also work within the context of of what the innovations of this industry are. Yeah, I love what you said about it being a, a kind of an unmitigated disaster for the chairman, because four to six months ago, we would have said this is an unmitigated disaster for crypto, what's coming from the chairman. And what you just said echoes what I've been saying here over and over again, is that the pendulum swung way too far. And the anti-crypto army and the Genslers and Warrens, they just pushed so far that it became wildly actually unpopular. And now I think generally positive for the industry. It sounds crazy that I would say that this like regulatory push could be positive for the industry, but so many people are angry at them. So many have pushed back and they keep losing in the courts. And I think yeah. this is one of those, like, if you're going to go through the, then they fight you phase, you need to actually fight back. Right. And we're given, being given that opportunity. And to that end, I mean, nobody better than Coinbase to be fighting back, I think, but you know, at, at the front line. I, I, absolutely. I mean, that, they could not have picked a better 
um, uh, opponent, so to speak. Uh, maybe is that the right word in this context? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, for in terms of the industries, uh, you know, in terms of an industry leader and uh, somebody who has is heavily pot committed on U.S. growth of uh, of crypto, and look, man, like there, like part of me is like, okay, it's the U.S. government, like it's uh, it's you know, it's unfallible, but like on the other side of the equation, like Coinbase, Ripple, like these are these are also 800 pound gorillas. And it, most of these things end in some type of settlement. Like what I know from Coinbase is they have a war chest that is like, is pretty, pretty deep. Um, and we'll also, it. question, it, I mean, Brian, Brian Armstrong is a principled human being. Like, you got to give him tons of credit for what he's done. Um, is what happens with the government shutdown? Does the SEC we, just like do they are they do they go offline? We, we, do they go yeah, we, we talked down? about it uh, yesterday. I dug into it a bit. I can't tell you exactly, but it's it would be very skeleton at the SEC. So there would basically be they won't be approving uh, any ETFs clearly or even reviewing any proposals and. I think they keep the litigators going on these because there's court dates, but in general, they go back to skeleton staff. So basically, it would just be a massive pause. Yeah. From what, what, I what about also, you know, <clears throat> how long has this been going on with ETFs now? Uh, 2014 was the first time that the uh, Winklevi, since they're like cacti, since the Winklevi applied for the first uh, Bitcoin spot ETF. Not, not, so going on nine years? Yeah, we're going to be on. A, I think we're hitting going to be fully ten years. Uh, you know, mid mid year next year. I wonder how many uh, lawyers who have worked who are working for the SEC that have been on this on these cases, whether it's ETF approval or whether it's trying uh, you know large like Ripple, Coinbase type of cases. If the government shuts down again. Are they going to throw their hands up and go go to the private sector? And when that happens, like from the SEC side, they they're like I've heard this from lawyers. There's always this thing of like it's like somewhat of a war of attrition, also, where when you get into these things and they last years, lawyers in the public sector generally don't make their entire career out of working in the public sector. They work in the public yeah. sector to understand the rules, and then they get they make their real money. Their like their yeah. the money that. It, their generational wealth comes from it's a job up. interview for a five million dollar a year uh job yes. at uh latham chatham watkins at winston at uh bartholomew winthrop and poindexter <laughs> duke, at duke and duke duke and duke correct yeah, <laughs> they go to duke and duke uh, yeah i, I mean I, I tend to agree that these guys are going to obviously cycle through but one thing i found interesting in that statement as i just reread it was I, Obviously, I said to you, we're going to talk about the DeFi part. The only things that he specifically mentioned outside of a general crypto sort of blanket was DeFi. He didn't talk about meme coins. He didn't talk about really even securities. He talked about more as investment contracts, which is saying that they're largely securities. But he really honed in there on and so-called DeFi, right? So like, is this them being dismissive this is then they laugh at you and then it's going to be then they fight you do you think that uh DeFi can come out of this unscathed and to the kind of speech you gave at the beginning 
are they fair to go after DeFi? Because right now there's just so many exploits and problems in that market that it's very risky. I, I don't I don't think that the exploits are all in DeFi. I think that it it runs in the CFI context, it runs in DeFi. Like yeah, I, I mean, think true DeFi true DeFi doesn't have is, is unscammable, you know, theoretically. Uh, but I think that Look, I, I think that it's tricky because again, it's like, it's 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 early days. It's it's early days from from the regulatory standpoint. If they're going to take a a very, um, like throw the baby with out the bathwater stance on DeFi, like the U.S. is completely fucked in the crypto context. And um, it, it's not to say that these rules, you know, th this is these aren't the Ten Commandments. They're not like, they're not written in stone. Like it it turns over like you. So much of this, again, I go back to this, like, is it like a war of attrition? Like, where, like, you need, it, it, it may need to turn over a full generation to make these things change. But like the immersion that the generation that is even younger than than myself, you know, and um, you mean the young guys like us? You mean the uh, there's people I mean, younger like, than us? Oh, wow. I mean, like the thirty year olds and the twenty year olds. Yes, you know, like the forty five year olds uh, that are younger. The forty six year olds too. Really right, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> I think that um, you know, seeing them come into into positions, given that they even want to serve in politics um, or serve in you know in regulatory bodies to affect positive change, um, I think you may just need to see that it may take a, another few years eventually it's going to catch up it's just like it's like i don't know it's like immigration in the united states like you know the united states was actually built and created for to be this ever-changing type of 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 society right and um and that that's kind of the beauty of of how it was created and uh you know I think that the financial system in the U.S. was potentially created for that same purpose, and you know, all when there's ever been the periods where there's heavily supporting uh, innovation, uh, you've seen the U.S. move forward and like and kind of retain its hegemony. And um, it's obviously lost. It obviously the the fall of the Roman Empire memes are are flying everywhere. Um, if I and, never heard the words Roman Empire again. I'd be fine. I'm totally fine. Exactly. Um, but. Yeah, like are they being dismissive of it? Absolutely. I think I think that they just see the the dark sides of it and not the not the advantages of it, not in creating a more inclusive landscape and kind of like getting back to the first principles of what we all came here to do in the first place. And, and not apparently not everybody, because there's you know, there's plenty of of like Gensler's not wrong. There's plenty of hucksters out there, whatever the fucking word he uses. But Dude, um, Gensler was clearly like, it's like he looks at the Great Depression and watches Boardwalk Empire or something, and that's where he gets <laughs> oh, his verbiage. It's unbelievable. I'm surprised he doesn't talk with that like nasally voice. Hey, that, hey, yeah. Listen to your hey, you're all securities. Hey. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think that we're going to uh, just going to take like time is our time is our best friend here in that. All right. Well, that, listen, so, but, but you're building DeFi and you live in the United States. So I always come back to this with you, but you have more insight, I think, than are arguably anyone into what it's like to have a presence in this. Country I am, I am a contributor and, and a creator of infrastructure of DeFi infrastructure. We don't, uh, we, we, it, you know, we, I like us as a foundation and as a community do not serve the U S or, 
or OFAC blacklisted. I'm unserved. We fully encourage uh, any platform. Like we do not build front ends. We, We just create the infrastructure underneath and we fully encourage every platform that 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 launches on top of hero network into its liquidity to take all the necessary precautions around around uh dude his lawyer is in the headphones by the way if you guys couldn't hear he's right in there. I've been yeah, this i mean this is what you had that, that this is it's so ridiculous it's but, the harsh yeah. reality yeah. of it and if, if it if it means allowing you know lowering the barrier of of simply building infrastructure like this is like you can't like you know somebody builds a basement the uh, you know full full of cement and like the house on top of it catches on fire like you're not blaming the guy that poured the foundation so like i we just it's it's very crazy that we have to do that like we, i mean the, the amount of things that we go through to keep things out of the united states is 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 remarkable given that the whole goal of everything we're doing is eventually is setting it on a path towards decentralization and and full uh you know governance and everything and that that's where that's where it's all heading like what i would love to see is a you know in DeFi is you have some type of like safe harbor period where a, a team like it like a, a project needs leadership right mr purse and it needs this. it needs a direction right and and does it make the most sense to have a team that gets some period of time to to progressively move a network towards um, a state of sufficient decentralization, and I think that's, you know, that's the path that that the Hero Network contributors and community have been on, and um, and that's where it's going to go, like you know, not in, in the not too distant future. So, um, I just, you know, when when I look at when I look at some other projects, like you know, pro- like projects that are building front ends that are us facing and they're turning their nose up at at regulation and whatnot like that that to me is like look like there's some things that you're you're just yeah you're just like like where do you fall in the in the stack in the you know and and when they get around the table and decide who they're going to go after are you one of those people or not and And you're the easiest win because you're not fighting back you're going to pay your lawyer's fees you're going to settle and then you're going to get kicked out anyways exactly so just just kick yourself out right away and 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 lower that bar that that bar for you and 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 then like buy yourself time <laughs> because eventually the, there will be guidance here because it is defi is not going away the beauty of it we've seen with just like how bitcoin has evolved over over 13 years that like it, it's impenetrable now it's untouchable like when it reaches that when things reach network effects you're not stopping it and you're definitely not stopping it when it becomes completely like uh, geographically dispersed, like just not happening, so um, you you hope to build towards that and and leave it th- leave it at that. And I think until then, you got to understand you know where the where the landmines are and what you're building and and um, and do what you can to avoid them. Bitcoin can't be stopped, but here you go. SEC again delays decision on ARK's Bitcoin ETF filing. What's interesting about that is the decision wasn't due till November 11th. So I think it's fair to say we're not getting a Bitcoin spot ETF this year, which I think is going to disappoint yep. a lot of people. And then you have U.S. House lawmakers push SEC's Gensler to approve spot Bitcoin ETF immediately. Interestingly, this is the same committee that he's testifying in front of today, but it's two Republicans 
and two Democrats. So you've got, the, but they're still the usual suspects. It's Mike Flood and Emmer from the Republican and then Nickel and Richie Torres, of course, from the Democrats. But like, this seems like at this point, it's like a battle for PR and, and uh, sound bites because Com- it's completely. not happening. It, completely, completely. The, which, which also makes it feel a little more vapid. Like you, you wish these things had, you know, became more substantive, but it's, it's, it's a stalemate right now. Um, until otherwise noted it's you know when you got in this business scott like when you got into crypto did you ever think that your like bitcoin moving forward in terms of innovation or in terms of just general growth and um even though it's programmatically designed to uh increase in value over time uh did you ever think that the two biggest factors that were driving it were going to be an etf and macro and, and interest rates no I, I did i didn't think that for one and like even to raise that the fact that every presidential candidate has an opinion on bitcoin and it's being argued on the floor of congress and we even last year already saw Gillibrand and you know lummis propose a bill it, it like pinched me that's it's kind of like the then they fight you phase i keep joking about that but it came and i never really thought it would come like yeah, yeah. The, the fact that I mean, even the fact that Bitcoin in the last cycle became one of the tickers on Fox Business and CNBC that has remained there forever. I just like that's all that narrative you just spouted. What I just said, that should be all that people see. Like this is a real asset that's never going away now. You never saw Beanie Babies and tulips on the ticker. Right. Although we do see ticker Bitcoin, which is uh, ticker Bitcoin is uh, Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, Taninu now. So wow, you uh, actually were able to rattle that one off. I would have had to look it up. I, you know that the, the uh, hero uh, launched these uh, these new things called ZDFs, which are which are one day uh, futures contracts. So good, that, and you can run them on which, which basically the, the way that they're constructed allows for derivatives on on shit coins like this. So. Uh, I, I had to get used to understanding the cultural aspects of uh, of that of that uh, community. So I lied. that a hundred percent chance that somebody got that from ChatGPT was like went to the AI and was like the AI I'm such a boomer went to AI and said <laughs> AI. give me the most viral five names you could do for a meme coin and put them together and that's what it spit out. <laughs> that was it. But seriously, so listen, I'm going to probably keep you a little past 930 because I want to actually, you talked about you're building all the plumbing, you talked about, you know, what can be built, but A, what are you exactly building? What are you most excited about? You just mentioned that, that one contract and why, and and why do you continue clearly to believe in DeFi and and what it means for the future? Yeah. I mean, you know, what we're building, it's, we're building this distributed liquidity layer that basically is, is uh, to put it very simply is taking small ponds of liquidity. So you have a bunch of DEXs, uh, you know, user-facing front ends that are dispersed, that are being pointed at different, you know, different geographic locations that that we don't build. There's builders, there's teams that come and aggregate to to the network's liquidity in things like derivatives, but we also do it for betting applications. So uh, we have a pair mutual protocol on Hero Network uh, that allows for like pool-based betting. Uh, that actually has, taken this tangential turn into we've always you know hero historically has always been about like this convergence of trading and gaming and and we never really knew what that meant um but it, for us the the bottom line at the DeFi network level is all about 
um, liquidity aggregation and liquidity aggregation, whether it's in uh, whether it's in trading or whether it's in bad, like different types of betting venues, it all has the same principles and concepts around them. So uh, we we built a uh, infrastructure that aggregates liquidity, has risk engines, has all the elements to it. Um, there is, I think, close to tr- I think twenty two different projects now building on Hero Network, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, since we since we were able to to roll the initial uh, beta versions out, and um, it ranges everything from from various types of DEXs that have different types of features to them. Um, you know, one may be like an OTC uh, uh, specific DEX that does like bilateral transactions. Another one might be a very incentives rich one. Another one might be one that's pointed specifically to a South Korean audience because in South Korea, they like to see their uh, their uh, front ends a different way. They like to see, like, I think in South Korea, like red is up and blue is down, like things like that. And they just want to gamble. All no, the like, volume is it. from South Korea. It's insane. I don't know pretty, what's happening pretty, culturally there, but wow. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And so uh, all of that, all of that liquidity aggregates and feeds down into bottoms out into hero network markets and order books and all of those become shared and that way you get the reflexive qualities of of liquidity where we know in crypto that liquidity is super fragmented and it's really hard you know if you if you trade any type of size uh it's really hard to find good fair deep markets even in bitcoin and even on like the main on the main centralized exchanges so uh we're we're basically aggregating up much smaller pools like and so these projects that are building they no longer need to go build their own front end and then build their back end as a smart contract and then go source liquidity. All the liquidity and all the back end build is all there. It's just wrapped with SDKs and APIs and they come and plug in and then they just have to go market to their to their specific market they're they're going after. So we've had some good traction um, in in the in really starting to grow on the derivatives end uh, and then on the uh, betting front in the iGaming space, uh, I think there's like four four different uh, like agreements now um, that uh, are going to be announced in Q4 that are all either aggregators or betting operators that are going to be um, carrying content like apps that are built on top of the network that will be pushed into their platform. So a pretty exciting um, a time. It's you know it's one of these times right now where the market is so depressed that it's like you know this is the second time I've been through this. So really. Um, during these periods, we just focus heavily on building and 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 trying to you know keep our head above water and and just growing our community and and then hopefully when this you know kind of skies open up, uh, you're there to really capture the next wave of growth. It's been fun to watch you guys evolve from Moonwrecked. Oh yeah, it's come a long <laughs> way, man. Five years. <laughs> Five years. What is that? That's thirty-five point two years in uh, crypto years. But, yes, uh, dog, dog slash crypto years, man. Well, thank you, everybody. Follow Gunny. His uh, Twitter should be down in the description. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, glad we were able to do this. Likewise, we gotta get man. you back on Spaces too. Let me know when. If you want to come dunk on Gensler, you can come today. Uh, I'm not dunking on. I'm not dunking on anybody. I'm okay. Uh, you can I'm, like you know politely. I'm no, my I, own, I know. I'm my own work in progress. I'm uh, yeah. And I'm my own worst enemy. So yeah, uh, that I should be a work in progress. I will watch right, you man. dunk on. I, I love watching you dunk on people though. I tell you that. We'll bring you up, man. Thank you very much. Right, Talk to you soon. Right, take care. Bye. All right, bye. Yeah, so the uh, only last story that we had, which I find uh, pretty entertaining, before we bring up Chris, is uh, Jamie Dimon warned seven percent Fed rate still possible. 
Difference between five and seven percent more painful than three to five percent. Comments come amid view the Fed near the end of tightening. So obviously everyone thinks the Fed is done tightening. And Jamie Diamond of JP Morgan, who just loves a hot take, says seven percent. I don't see it happening, but holy shit, watch out below if uh, they actually somehow do continue to raise rates that high. By the way, I was like, while he was talking, I was just thinking about Gary Gensler having to testify today. And all I could think about was uh, I was hoping that I could just play this clip while he was a testifier that they would do it on Congress. You guys remember this? Greatest game ever. Johnny Cage wins. Do you remember Johnny Cage had that move where he would drop into the split and hit the guy in the... Yeah, uh, that was amazing, man. I always loved Mortal Kombat, but I hope that they uh, finish him, finish him, finish him, finish him today. Do you guys remember when I used to use these sound bites? I literally just remember. That. Remember that? I don't even know if that played. I think it played. Did you guys hear uh, a foghorn? Cool. Uh, I don't have the headphones that were plugged into that as a speaker. Well, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and stop waiting your time and bring on Christopher Inks. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? I, you know, I spent many, many quarters on Mortal Kombat back in the day. <laughs> Here you go. Look, I lost so many quarters to that game, says Cloud Casino. <laughs> By the way, that is not okay. Maybe you lost them like you put them in and it didn't work because we all know that that used to happen in the in the 90s and 80s for sure. But I do not call any coin that was dropped into a Mortal Kombat machine a loss. I think those That's are right. some of the greatest investments of my life. Who, who was your guy? Who'd you use? Oh, man. You know, I, I did a lot of them, but I really like Scorpion, man. Scorpion and Sub Zero, man. Like yep, the two yep. of it, those, those were my guys. <laughs> Raiden was the easiest because his move was just like you didn't need the buttons. You could just do the stick and, and go flying yep. across. But, Pull uh, over, yep. <laughs> yeah, Sub Zero wins. Love it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, man, let's talk about uh, some charts. So we actually have, uh, I mean, now we get excited about like $600 of volatility, by right. the way. <laughs> right. But, but Bitcoin is up a bit today. But what I find interesting, and I mentioned this on Twitter earlier, I mean, I guess I can just cook through it, right? You've got you've got uh, Bitcoin up, right? Clearly, I mean that's a weekly chart, but uh, we can go to a daily chart. We got Bitcoin up, tapping that 50 MA right there. But then you have the dollar raging up, right? And so, if we were a correlated asset, you would think that if the dollar is this powerful, that we would be seeing Bitcoin drop. So no no correlation, and gold down, right? Gold now sub 1900. So. Bitcoin, I guess the narrative there, Bitcoin really, to me, is uh, traveling its own path at this point. There's really no use at this moment in looking at macro and and trying to determine what Bitcoin's going to do. I mean, I would have made that argument all the time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, nothing nothing's changed the way I look at it. You know, again, um, still same structures we've shown before. Um, we've got, you know, again, this is still bearish market structure coming off that 32,000 high here. But we just need to break out above. Uh, this, this right here is the uh, Bitcoin USD chart on Bitstamp. So uh, whatever it is to whoever's chart they're using, Binance or Coinbase or whatever, this, um, what is this, the daily here. So around August 29th, that swing high on this chart, it's 28.142. If we can break out above that, that'll break that bearish market structure um, and giving, you know, more likelihood that we're heading up. But, you know, we've been sideways locally here since right here around the 18th of August or so. So, you know, going on a month and a half. Um, I've got this one right here is the 21 EMA on the daily here, this red one. And uh, you can see we can support resistance and now we're breaking out above it. Um, 
you know, still riding off that bullish divergence down here at the low rallying up. So, you know, and basically, you know, you've got the descending resistance here, which, you know, comes right about the, the daily pivot area. So, you know, and right around this local swing high. So, you know, basically this 27,200 area, if we can break out impulsively above that, I think that probably takes out this swing high. And if we do that, then, I, you know, I think they're kind of saying, okay, the bottom's likely in, uh, you know, and we're heading upward here. So, I mean, you know, and again, nothing's really changed. Still kind of looking at that same idea for right now. Something interesting that you taught me, I'm not sure you've been watching, but, you know, you once told me, you know, just sometimes to grab the line chart for divs and stuff and, you know, kind of avoid the noise. Something that always stuck with me. But you had this very clear, and you also taught yeah. me to draw you know, patterns on the indicators, resistance yeah. on RSI, because very often, guys, I, I, it's never a 100% hit rate, but very often, if you see RSI break out, price follows, yeah. right? It just, it, I can't tell you why, but it's something that happens. And we had that breakout and that showed you the bottom, actually. But now we have the breakout. I mean, just wondering what you make of this as a uh, mentor, you know? And then you actually have this double retest here of that same resistance as support and then the move off. I mean, does that come compelling to you at all as we come into resistance here on the line chart? Yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, again, you've got a, a lot of touches there on that uh, on that RSI on the downtrend there. Um, you know, as I always teach, you know, one one touch is a point, two touches a line, three touches or more is a trend. Um, and so it even works, you know, with your you know with your RSI there. And then you've got that clean retest uh, before it pops back up. So, yeah, you know, I, I would think, you know, we're going to see that RSI pop above that local swing high about the same time that price would pop above its local swing high there. Um, it looks like it's in alignment pretty well, again, coming off that bullish divergence. Um, so, I, you know, I definitely wouldn't ignore it. Like you said, no guarantees other than you're going to lose money, you know, at, at some point as a trader. Uh, but other than that, you know, you, you go with probabilities and, and you use good risk management. So, yeah. All right. So, what? So I mean, what are you looking for? I actually asked Chad this question yesterday, maybe worth asking. I mean, we all, I think, kind of agree that this 25-ish level, right? I mean, you have this sort of inverse head and shoulders, the higher high. I mean, does it worry you if we lose that 24,200-ish area at all? I mean, you also have the 50 MA right below it, both weekly MAs pointing up. Yeah. I mean, this looks like a bullish trend. I, I don't really see the any bearishness here off the bottom. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. I mean... You know, it's again, it's the same idea that we're looking at, you know, I'm looking at this right now, count wise is likely a one, two and a one, two here. This two is a flat, which means we could dip on below wave A here. Um, you know, and, and we can get down there at 24,000. You know, it's not, a, it's, to me, it's not a big deal um, doing this because, I mean, if we go here and we measure out uh, this, this wave circle one here. You know, the 61 eights right there, 23, 356, 70 and a half at 22, 440, and 78, 6 at 21, 619. Um, and you, you can see if you look left here where these things actually align, you know, significant areas of, um, of support and resistance along the way here, right? I mean, so we toss this one right here, right around 61 eight. And, you know, you can see here where it's hitting the same areas over and over again. So, no, not, not really, not any big deal. Um, it's, it's again, the suggestion is that it's likely done here. You can see that the um, the daily uh, Stoke RSI, depending on what you're looking at, which chart you're looking at, um, it's broken down and uh, gotten pretty close here to that oversold. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it looks like it's resetting and ready to go. Um, you know, everybody's at that at that bearishness where it has to go down. Everybody says it has to go down, you know, um, kind of like everybody else with everything else, right? We get to this crescendo 
a bearishness, you know, oh my God, you know, it's never done this since then. And, and the market's never done that since then. And oh my God, I saw somebody this comparing- This time it's uh, different. That's the, this yeah, time it's different, right? Yeah, no, I saw no, somebody no. comparing the S&P to, uh, to 1987 uh, with, the, with the Dow, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I went in and looked at it. It's, it, it's a different uh, wave count, right? We've got an ABC here, um, you know, and, and that was set differently. Right? But, you know, again, people are going to try and find what they're going to try and find. Uh, one, either because they're emotionally biased one way or the other, or two, because they're trying to get, you know, people to interact there on, on social media. But if you're a new trader, it, sound, it all sounds so good and so likely you know, it's tough. So I, I was thinking the other day, man, you know, we've got this crescendo of everybody being very bearish across all markets and how it has to go down and whatnot, right? And, and I started thinking back, I'm like, man, you know, every 10 years or so, we get the same kind of thing, right? Uh, the dollar, the death of the dollar is the most notable. Every, you know, 2000, 2010, you know, coming up, you know, always the death of the dollar, death of the dollar, and it doesn't die, right? But the same thing with everything else. Oh, the market has to die. And I'm starting to thinking, well, man, okay. So what if this is just, I mean, it's, it feels we're in the moment. It feels terrible. It feels bad. Oh my God. Interest rates are so high. Not really, you know, historically, not relative, really. Yeah, relative. <laughs> I, I always love the joke that my parents had like a 14% mortgage in the eighties or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or they even look at housing, right? They go, Oh, look, housing is so many times more your income than it was back then. But then you got to look at housing sizes. Houses are like two and a half times the sizes back then as well. So when you, when, you know, when, when you, create, um, you know, uh, work with the data so that it's equal in terms of square foot, you know, it's, it's just, so, you know, we get caught in it, but everything feels like it's the end of the world. But really, if we step back for a minute, we can see it's just the same thing that happens every so often. So I guess that kind of keeps me grounded right now. I'm not saying things can't go down, obviously, but, you know, until they actually do, until they actually break what, you know, these larger macro kind of accounts and stuff, I, I see no reason to freak out. It's just some sideways. The sideways sucks. Yeah, it takes some time. Yeah, but it's part of trading, right? <laughs> it, it is. So uh, you're obviously watching some other things I can see here. So beyond Bitcoin, which yes, got $500 move. Hooray. But beyond <laughs> that, uh, what are you looking at? Because I'm seeing a few and, and Ched showed us a bunch yesterday of all coins and you do the same. Like I don't find them right now. I don't know. Maybe it's I have some inherent bias in my brain to just avoid it, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, again, nothing's guaranteed, but the idea is to get into the charts and kind of find some potential movement or potential setup so that way you can be in with movement, right? And so, Cass, I'm still kind of looking up here around uh, 0.071 or so. Um, you know, we did get this peak out, so, you know, especially if we peak out above this all-time high here at uh, eh, 0.54. If we break out above that, you know, I'm looking up there at that 0.071 kind of area. Um, but comp was interesting. Comp, uh, is, is moving a little bit this morning along with some other ones that, you know, obviously with Bitcoin moving and all, if we can kind of get above this orange range here, right around $45, um, I would immediately be looking up here around, you know, $54. And if we could take this out, you know, again, I think we're moving up here toward, uh, right up here around, around 68, $69. So, I mean, I think it's got a couple of good moves coming up, uh, potentially on that. Uh, let me see here. I mean, nice 50 percenter. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice little bit move. And, and, you know, and if we're getting up to this initial target, the odds are a much, much higher that we're going to actually break out and go high. Right. But we're just looking at some kind of like local targets along the way. But yeah, I mean, I think the setups there, um, we've got, you know, we've got this range kind of uh building over here after this nice, um, initial drop there. 
so you know, and, and we're finding support looks like right along the EQ of that of that range. Um, and before anybody says, "Oh, I draw ranges wrong," no, I don't. I draw them uh, <laughs> how we draw them with with Wyckoff. So uh, they're a little bit different, but they tend to work out a lot better than what most people draw. But yeah, so I mean, you know, right here, even just just finding all this support continually here, and we had a couple of spikes of volume right around here, but there is no follow through lower. Um, and so, you know, we kind of got this rejection up here, but again, another, you know, basically a higher low here, we're rallying back up. So we'd like to see that kind of strength. We just want to see this breakout. If we can do that again, we've got them targets coming up there. Do people um, tell you draw your ranges wrong? So do it. Do people actually tell you you draw your ranges wrong? All the wrong? time, man. Oh yeah. Oh, they're very, they're very vocal about it. Um, why they oh, think man, you should use that little window. They think you should use the swing high at the at the uh, top of the yeah there, yeah the top wick yeah but there's a reason in Wyckoff why we draw it the way we draw yeah of course you know, because it's where that first it's where that first initial bounce ends not the highest yeah. point after it right exactly exactly you're usually going to get a little bit higher up there but then what you'll notice is most of the time that EQ of that down. range if you're using yeah. these channels just works beautifully as that as that uh, demarcation area uh, within the range but yeah so I, I think we've got some potential on that. Um, uh, I like QNT potentially here. Uh, you know, we've got this nice bit of um, uh, descending resistance here. We've got this uh, doji, this pin bar candle here, right at the low with a spike of volume, oversold, uh, you know, uh, RSI and Stoke RSI there. We actually have a bit of bullish divergence right here. Now we're talking. Uh, coming right into there. So um, it looks like it's set up to go. If we can break out impulsively through that, so I'm looking for a, you know, a larger candle spread kind of thing, a spike of volume. Um, I would minimal, minimal, even say it minimally be looking up here. I mean, at least uh, right around $97 or so. But I think if we get there, we, we just need to kind of break out impulsively through this daily pivot. And then I think it just kind of continues up at that point. I would look up here probably around, uh, uh, you know, 111, 110 as the next target on the way up. So I think it's got a couple of good, uh, targets there. And if we're doing that, the odds increase significantly that we rally up toward, you know, this 150, 160 area. And then, of course, this high up here where we're getting about 190 or so. And, you know, if we're up in, in this 150 to 190 area, the odds are significant that we're going to break out higher on that. So, yeah, I think things like that would take a long time. I mean, the thing is, I'm 90% convinced. I don't care if it goes up, down, to follows the way you said. We will have a cycle where these things yeah. are all going to fly again. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. people who believe that will never happen again. Yeah. And, and the one thing I want to caution against, you know, again, I think everybody in the, the main um, mindset that everybody has really coming into crypto is this get rich quick, make money overnight type thing. Um, so they ignore a lot of um, potential opportunities because they're looking for the newest, squeakiest toy. But the problem is most people that are coming in don't really know how to trade anyway. So they don't know how to handle that volatility when it runs. Um, and, you know, either they'll get in late or they'll get in wrong or they'll exit late or they won't exit at all. And, it, you know, it's just the same cycle over and over again. Um, you know, so, I mean, personally, if you're a newer trader, honestly, guys, I would stick with like the top five, top 10 uh, until you really get consistently profitable because there's more liquidity in there. So the volatility isn't, you know, anywhere near as like, a, you know, Pepe take it off. And then you're like, oh, my God, but Pepe, I could have made I could have turned a dollar into one hundred billion dollars in a week. Dude, yeah, but nobody I, did. <laughs> I was talking about this yesterday. There was an article that said a whole article on how if Michael Saylor had decided to focus on Ethereum instead of Bitcoin, oh, he would be up 
instead of down. And I was like, yeah, you should have just bought NVIDIA, right? Or <laughs> should have invested in some small cap somewhere in China we've never heard of that did a 5,000X. Why didn't he do that? I hate when people view their own portfolio or their own decision versus a completely unrelated portfolio or asset that was not their decision because it's completely irrelevant. There's literally always something better you could have done with your money at any given time if you knew it. Human everything. nature. Human nature. We always, we always, we're never happy. We're never satisfied with what we have. The grass is always greener on the other side. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the causes and failed relationships and everything else in life with that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just human nature to do it. Um, got to try and be mindful as a trader, though. You know, you got to stop with the, the emotion as much as possible, whether it's elation or depressiveness. Um, you know, if you're feeling that, get away from the charts for however long it takes, an hour, a day, a week, Touch whatever. The market will still be here. Yeah. What else right. you got? Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a few here. Um, let me see here. I've got uh, FIL here. Um, I like this channel coming down. This is really nice. Uh, so far, what we've got as far as this local range, I like the volume and uh, price action relationship going on in here. Uh, and so, you know, again, uh, potentially just look at this as a one, two here. We're getting this bullish engulfing candle printing. This is on the daily. Uh, so, you know, this, of course, as well as off this um, bullish divergence right here, you know, it's so kind of like the same thing with, you know, Bitcoin there and, you know, others. So, I mean, even if we're looking right here, just locally, we should get an impulsive breakout um, above, you know, what, you know, again, like Bitcoin, right? It's it's the uh, descending resistance and the, you know, and the uh, daily pivot right there. Um, and so, you know, that should be getting us up there at around, you know, $4.00. Uh, just initially, that'd be that wave three, right? So you go $4, you pull back to the range, and then you break out a bit higher here, about four and a quarter. And then, you know, you'll come back and you pull back toward the range again as, as a one, two here, and then boom, you're off to the races, right? But I think we're pretty close to that. Uh, I think we might see that coming up here. It looks good. You know, we've got a lot of room on the RSI and the Stoke RSI here to kind of propel us and rally up. So if we can get that impulsive breakout right there, right around three and a half dollars or so, um, you know, I think you look at four and four and a quarter, pull back to around three, six, uh, $3.60 $3 or so. And then you're like, you know, again, you're really kind of taking off, you know, $5 plus coming up next on there. So I think this is really a nice looking setup at the moment. I agree. That looks great. And I think you got one more up there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got, um, actually I've got, uh, because every, again, everybody end of the world, right? Nothing's changed. This is the uh, E-minis for S&P. And uh, we've got a gap fill over here. Remember, I think we talked about this before. This was that mid-August yeah. swing high, and we gapped up above it. We've come back, filled that in now. We're a 38.2 pullback on a wave four, which is you know your initial target. If we keep dropping, we'll look at 50% here, right around 42, 37, 38. Gets us that low volume node right there, this kind of support here. But uh, you know, if, if we can turn around either there or there and rally back up, you know, we just need above a 45.66 here. And that gets us a wave three target up here around 48.51 and a half. But that's only three. You know, that's five of three. Then we get a four on the pullback, and then we still have a five coming up. Quickly, though, so, what do you make of that clear head and shoulders there? I mean, I got it on SPY right here, you know, kind of the same idea. You got it on E-minis. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, you know, usually I'm not a big fan of head and shoulders. I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's why I you know, Because it's so, easy to, it's so easy to see something that looks like it, and then it turns out not to be it. Um, but, yeah, you know... Uh, Maybe. Uh, again, I don't like the really small shoulder and the really large shoulder. I, I, you know, if I see patterns like this, I want to see much more. It doesn't have to be exact, but you want to see it. Yeah. 
you know, a bit, bit clearer there. So, yeah, I, I would be careful that it doesn't become a false breakdown of that particular pattern. Um, and does it here on this one, you know, yours was uh, the spy was higher lows uh, for that neckline. Yeah. This one right here, you know, we're, we're right there. So, uh, you know, and we've yeah. challenged that. We're kind of pulling back locally again. For me, I want to see if not a rally here, then right down here. Yeah, look at Stoke and RSI. Is that RSI and then Stoke at the bottom? I mean, they're both going. Yeah, RSI right and then Stoke RSI. Um, you know, again, yeah, you, you we're kind of just right above this, um, you know, right, right above oversold here. So again, if we hit that 50%, we're, we're getting back down into oversold and this is the daily and we're already almost bottom, but you know, we're, we're right around bottom down here on the Stoke RSI. So I would, you know, again, if we are dropping down there, I would definitely be looking for a rally. I've got this as an ABC, but it could be a WXY. So, you know, ABC down up and then ABC down to finish it up there. So it's a three wave movement right now though. So that, that's the important thing, but I don't, I don't buy into this. Oh, that's the top. That's it. We're headed to, you know, um, big crash on October 2nd kind of thing that people are talking about. Love it. All right. We're going to, we're going to make it. We're going to yeah, make it. I think so. <laughs> we're all going to make it. Love it. What else? Yeah. Any other, uh, anything, any final thoughts before I let you go and head over to Twitter spaces? Um, you know, just the same thing, you know, I, I constantly want to remind people of, which is um, it's easy to get caught up with emotions, uh, you know, in trading and, um, you would be amazed uh, at how much your emotions actually color your logic, you know. Um, so use trading journals. Uh, people don't want to do this because it's extra work. Use trading journals. Uh, put down the date, uh, what you're entering, what time you're entering, what time you exit. And when you enter, make sure you know where your, your entry, your stop loss, and your exit is. And write down why. Why are you thinking this trade's going to work out, whatever. And then any, anything that's happened in the last few days that might have gotten you a little emotional. Did you win $500 on a scratch off? Did your aunt, did your aunt Jane pass away? You know, because what's going to happen is when you look back in a week and after that, and you're going to go back over your trades, you're going to start seeing a pattern of emotional decisions, most likely. And you can't change what you're doing until you actually understand that it's happening. So uh, it's one of the biggest hacks out there for traders and most don't actually do it or they get really lazy with it. So yeah, I would do that. Love it. All right, man. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right, man. Appreciate Everybody it. Everybody follow Chris, TX West Capital on Twitter. All right, man. Thank you. Take care. That's all we got today. Heading over to listen to Gensler in four minutes. I'm going to go try to check that out before we head on to Twitter spaces. I will, of course, see all of you back here tomorrow. Let's hope that Gensler just gets absolutely destroyed. See you later. Bye. That's dope.